We all have questions. Questions about faith, relationships, beliefs, politics, social issues, our planet, and God. Where do you go when you're done with cliches and starving for the conversation to ascend? What do you do when you're struggling to find connection within your community, within your church? Join us, Lauren, Danielle, and Jason, to connect, discuss relevant topics, and try to navigate living in the tension of everyday life as Jesus followers. This is The Outsiders Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Outsiders Podcast. I'm Lauren and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Danielle and Jason. Today we're talking about mental health, so we wanted to give a heads up or a trigger warning that we may be talking about some mature themes around mental illness and mental health and just want you guys as our listeners to take care of yourself. So if you don't need to listen to this episode because it might bring up something totally understand. But before we jump into our episode, Jason and Danielle, how are you doing? It's been a little bit since we've been together. Yeah, it has. Um, I'm actually doing super well. Things are going, things are actually happening here at church and we have a bunch of ministries started and I'm doing really well. Life is good. The weather's good. Uh, So yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I'm like great and not great, (laughs) if that makes sense. I mean, like, I feel like when you're in grad school, you're just always not great because you just hate everything and just want it to be over. But outside of that, life is good. Like Jason said, church is open. My extrovert heart is happy to see people and be around humans again. So, I mean, there's good and bad, but I think overall, I'm just, I'm good. We'll, We'll go with that today. Awesome. Um, I am. Wait, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. How are you? Don't worry. I will answer my own question. <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing okay. You know, this last month a lot has happened, um, and I'm just looking forward to May. Work is absolutely insane for me, and I have some time off scheduled, and that is like the reward for this insane month coming up. So I'm. I'm excited for all the stuff that that I'm working on, but it's also like a lot. So, all right, outsiders, we have a special guest on our podcast today, and I'm looking forward to our conversation with Robert Vore. He's a therapist based in Atlanta that works with youth, adolescents, and young adults in areas such as depression, anxiety, um, school, social concerns, and life transitions. He is a QPR, suicide prevention instructor, and offers training to churches, ministries, and other groups on topics such as the intersection of faith and mental health, youth development, college student mental health, and maintaining mental health while working in ministry. He's an advocate for better mental health engagement in faith communities and hosts a podcast on Christianity and mental health called CX. MH podcast and has written articles for Relevant Magazine, The Mighty, Thought Catalog, Patheos, and more. Robert, welcome to the Outsiders Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. We are really looking forward to this conversation around mental health. I think it lands at a really important time um, in society and a lot of, you know, what we've been going through the last year and some months with um, with <laughs> yeah. the pandemic. Um, so let's dive in. 
first, I think it's important to define what mental health is. And then also, what's the difference between mental illness and mental health? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, right? I think what's interesting is if you listen to CXMH or anything like that, right, you'll only essentially only ever hear me use the term mental health. And that's that's an intentional choice on my part because I think mental illness obviously conjures up the idea of like there's something wrong, right? If you think about physical illness, like there's an identifiable thing that is wrong. Um, and, and the reason I like talking about mental health as kind of a, a topic, just using that language, um, is shifting it from kind of like a, there's either something wrong or there's not idea, which I understand there's diagnoses, um, but, but shifting it towards the idea, much like physical health, of that we all have mental health and there's kind of a spectrum, right? Even though right now you could say, okay, Robert, physically, I don't have any kind of diagnosis, right? I don't have a cold or a flu or COVID or anything, right? But could I be more healthy? Sure, right? Are there things that I could do to, to move towards being a little bit more healthy or not, right? And so... I, t- I tend to use the phrase mental health more often as I try not to hit my mic with my hand repeatedly uh, just to conjure up that idea of like this is a conversation about all of us and how we're doing uh, mentally, emotionally, all that type of stuff as opposed to like, okay, there's only, only if you're diagnosed with something, then we're talking about you in this conversation. Yeah, I love that. I think that that makes so much sense. So that's great. So <coughs> Robert, then real, real quick, why... Why is it important at all to understand mental health? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, from even a spiritual perspective, right, like we are holistic beings. And so, you know, I I think we often like to have kind of these siloed areas. But when we talk about health, right, we can talk about bio, psycho, social, spiritual, right? Like our, our physical health overlaps with our mental, emotional health, overlaps with our social health and our spiritual health. And, and all of these make up who we are as beings. And so to kind of say, well, we're only going to pay attention to physical health, but don't worry about any emotions or mental, right? Like that's kind of a, probably kind of a, a strange place to be. And so for me, it just makes sense to say like, we are our holistic beings. Uh, and so how do we move towards being whole and healthy in what we would say probably like God designed us to be and, and wants for us? Yeah, definitely. And I think even, you know, before I ask my next question, which kind of has to do with us being in a healthcare community, you think of the way that people go to doctor's appointments and have you know, checkups and do all these things to protect and preserve and promote their physical health. And so, you know, I think that that too, and just remembering that our our mental health is something that we have to actively work towards protecting and promoting and, and making sure that we're healthy there. It's not something that just happens. Um, and yeah. so on that note, I mean, we, Jason, Lauren, and I, we live in a healthcare community. Um, there's a huge hospital system literally right across the street from where we record this podcast. And I think that we see uh, not only in our community, but just in society in general, how mental health is stigmatized and often not prioritized. You know, like in healthcare, it's not prioritized the way that keeping your body and not having like physical ailments is prioritized. And so in your opinion, um, what are some things we can do to bring about that change and kind of help to shift things so that people are really trying to prioritize that as well? Yeah, it's such a good question, right? Uh, I think 
you know, we're, we're seeing some of that shift as opposed to, you know, kind of historically, it's a newer field. It makes sense just in terms of like, these are things that are, are harder to see, right? Like if my leg is bleeding, you can kind of see that, right? Uh, but I, I think having conversations like this where we, we talk about some things obviously is always good, um, as long as hopefully it's talked about in, in a, in a good and positive way. Um, I think you see a lot more of that these days of kind of normalizing things of, um, just being open with kind of our own type of stories, things like that. And then, and then obviously like increasing accessibility, whether that's okay, how affordable is mental health care as well, right? How many uh, mental health care providers are in your area, things like that, right? And so the more that we can, we can do things like that from kind of a systemic level, right? Uh, is going to be helpful so that, you know, you go to a doctor for a checkup. Has anybody here ever been to a therapist just for a checkup, right? Like, Maybe, maybe not, but that's like probably more rare, right? Uh, and part of that just has to do with with probably how easy it is to find a therapist, but it's also not that easy to find a doctor sometimes. So um, the more that we can kind of break down those barriers and say, okay, this is a thing that a we're we're saying is totally fine to do, but then also we are we're enacting that by saying we're going to help make this affordable for everybody, accessible for everybody, things like that uh, would be super helpful. I have yeah. a f- follow up question for that. So as we talk about, you know, destigmatizing mental health and the checkups, maybe for those people that are listening have never actually reached out and said like, hey, I need help. So in your opinion, like how would someone go about finding a therapist or a counselor or someone to talk to at like a really basic level? Yeah, uh, I mean, the like probably, you know, most basic starting point, if you Google therapists in Atlanta, right, or whatever, um, I think there's a, there's a lot of directories online. Uh, my website has a resource page that has like a list of directories, which is kind of funny. It's like a directory of directories. Um, and then obviously asking, asking people, right? I mean, you could post on Facebook and say, hey, does anybody know a good therapist in the area? Things like that. Obviously, that has to do with kind of your comfort level, um, and then particularly if you're uh, if you have insurance of some form, right? They usually have a list of like these are our in network providers, so you could you could do something like that, check out that list, and say, okay, who's in my area? Um, but I would you know ask around, look online, things like that, and then and then kind of go from there. I think it's interesting you brought up, you know, like looking for someone in network and also before um, with the initial question you mentioned, you know, how it may be kind of difficult to find a therapist. And I was talking with um, our our chaplain over at the the college that's right here, our healthcare college. And he was saying, you know, there he's just seen such a need, increased need in the college students with needing support and people wanting mm. therapy and wanting to look for that. And he's been yeah. trying to help facilitate that and having such a hard time because just the need around the world right now is so greatly increased in there. And I just feel like, you know, it's great that a lot of people are wanting this, but it's also really sad that a lot of people are having such a hard time finding that support. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And I completely understand as obviously as a therapist myself, but then also Mm -hmm. as somebody who goes to therapy, right? Like I, I kind of feel that tension on both sides of like, hey, I, all the, every therapist I know is like definitely trying, right? Like, can I add more slots? Can I, you know, all that type of thing. Uh, and then also, I mean, if you get, you know, a hundred people reaching out a week and saying, do you have time? Realistically, like 
okay, maybe I don't, but I'll try and refer out and things like mm-hmm. that. So there is, I think, uh, the increased demand is a is a positive in the mm-hmm. sense that like people are saying, okay, cool, I'm willing to go see a therapist. That also means like we need more therapists. We need uh, accessibility in you know even in like rural areas, right? Um, so like where I'm in Atlanta, there's tons of therapists, mm-hmm. but if you go to um, anywhere else in Georgia, right? Like a rural part of Georgia, it's going to be much harder. And so things like, uh, like telehealth, like video therapy sessions is definitely like helping in that arena. Um, but we definitely, you know, if anybody is listening and they say, maybe I'll go be a therapist, please go be a therapist, right? We need, we need some more. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as you know, and I'm just a pastor, uh, but I talk to people every single day from high school, kind of like you, high school, college students, young adults. And yeah, the need is definitely great, right? Especially during this pandemic. But but people I think are, are realizing, as everyone is saying, man, I everybody needs somebody, right, to talk to that they can trust, to unload, to unpack, and to process. And it seems to me, and I don't know, I've been in ministry a while, it seems to me like Within the Christian context, mental health is a little bit less of a stigma, uh, stigma than it used to be. But I don't know. Maybe maybe that's that's not true. So, Robert, let me just ask you: Like, do you feel like the importance of mental health within a Christian community or within a Christian context is it getting any better? Uh, has the, mo- the the needle changed, or is it still kind of like this weird thing that people are like, oh, I don't know if we need that. We should just pray about it, and you know, it'll be fine. Uh, yeah, I'll say yes to kind of the whole question, right? I definitely think that particularly uh, in, in kind of the online space, right? So I, I end up connecting with a lot of people who, who are interested in this, this kind of overlap. And I do think I've seen that grow over the past five, six years that I've been kind of advocating for that, which is really cool to see, uh, particularly in uh, just like the shifting away from like, okay, just pray all your anxiety away, stuff like that, right? Like, okay, these things kind of coexist. I definitely think there's there's still a good ways to go. Um, there's, I think with kind of growing like recognition, sometimes there's like growing kind of uh, volume of people who disagree and say like, no, this is all garbage, stop that. I try not to engage with that too much because um, it doesn't seem super productive. But, uh, you know, I think, I think yes, the needle is moving just even, you know, as, as society kind of as a whole says like, okay, we're kind of more and more aware of these things and, and understanding what we're talking about here. I think obviously that like filters into church world. Um, but there also is still kind of uh, this other segment that says like, we're growing in opposition as well. Um, but I think so. I try to, to lean into like, hey, look at all these people that I know now that are uh, starting uh, ministries and nonprofits and stuff, trying to like move this conversation forwards as opposed to focusing on like, ooh, yikes, there's still, there's still a way to go. I know this is not, um, this wasn't necessarily one of our planned questions, so I apologize if I throw you off. Um, but good. I think that in talking about mental health within the context of Christianity, I would love to ask the question, and you know, I, I know I have my thoughts on the answer, but why do you think there is such a stigma within the Christian community when it comes to mental health or what feeds into that? Because I think that that's something that um, is really important for us to talk about and could maybe make a lot of people feel heard and seen um, Mm. when they've had people say, you know, just pray your worries away or your mental health isn't real, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's a, like a, a long historical answer that we probably won't get into just in terms of uh, how these, like the development and, and uh, both, I think both sides kind of have a role to play in terms of like this kind of adversarial type of thing. If you go back to like Freud and kind of founding psychology fathers, they have some like pretty, pretty weird things to say about religion. So like, I think it comes from both sides, right? Um, but I, I also think kind of just in the, the working out of our theology, I think there's, there's that, that filters in, in, in ways that is worth talking about, right? So if kind of your theology says, okay, if you like, if you uh, accept Jesus, then like everything will be better. Or like if you talk about healing in kind of like a poof kind of way, right? That gets a little weird when you say, okay, actually I've, I've been depressed for a long time and it didn't magically happen overnight, right? Or if you're looking at uh, verses, things that, that talk about anxiety, right? That say like, don't, right? Do not fear, right? Is like the most common phrase, right? One of the most common phrases in the Bible. I have a tattoo of it, right? Does that, does that factor into if I have an anxiety disorder or if I'm feeling anxiety, then I'm like doing something wrong because that command is there, right? I think you could see how that could that could come out. I also happen to think that that, that doesn't mean don't have the physiological response of fear because that's like a God-given thing that keeps you safe, right? Like if a lion jumped in this room right now, I would need that response to like run away <laughs> or fight it, but probably run away. Um, <laughs> but But does that like impact my next step in terms of like, am I kind of making all my decisions based in fear type of, right? But like, I think the way that we, that we use some of those phrases as like, here's a little snippet. And then like, that's the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. Probably gets a little wonky in terms of like, okay, cast all your fears upon the Lord. Therefore, if you're feeling any anxiety, you're doing it wrong. Well, I see how you get there, but like, I disagree with kind of the, the foundational thing there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much a yes and kind of moment. Like, yes, you can trust God and, and believe that He's there for you and, and cast your fears on Him. And you can also have those struggles and have those experiences and stuff in your life. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so powerful to be able to acknowledge that and not only for us to continue, you know, having the con the conversation about mental health in, in a Christian context, but Robert, one of the things that you do and provide resources for is mental health for people who are in ministry. And I just think a lot about friends of mine, even, you know, Jason, who we've been doing this, this podcast with, where there's so much time and energy. It, what their calling is, is like meeting people where they are and showing up for them. Um, and so, you know, I also look at this podcast that we're doing as a, as a ministry. What in your experience are some of those big takeaways that those of us who are in ministry, especially in a, in a Christian community, um, can do to support one another and people like our pastors who it's their, their job to show up for us, right? As, as their, um, congregation and whatnot, but like, what are things that we could also do to show up for our pastors and supporting them through whatever they might be going through with, you know, anxiety, depression, whatever it may be in, in opening that conversation of like vulnerability and, and honesty and, and transparency? Yeah, it's such a great question, right? I used to work in ministry as well. And so that, that definitely factors in. I, I have tons of friends that still do. Uh, that's very near and dear to my heart. I, I, I think 
there, there's an, uh, there's for people who are in helping professions, uh, ministry or uh, therapy or what, like all those types of things, right? There is kind of this like instinct that putting others first is always the right response, right? And I definitely understand that as someone who like worked in ministry, not as therapy, like kind of has that that gut level, like okay, I need to put others first. I also think there comes a time where like the the healthiest version of me is going to be the best in caring for other people, right? It's, you know, kind of the classic, like put your own oxygen mask on before helping someone else, right? Like that classic kind of uh, metaphor. But the idea of like, if I'm not in a healthy place, then what am, what am I really giving to other people, right? Like, am mm-hmm. I kind of giving out of the best version of me? And I don't mean best like, this version is worse, but just like, is it healthy for all of us, right? And so I think keeping that in mind and then building things in however that's possible for folks in ministry, whether that's like uh, sabbaticals or, hey, we have a fund at our church that is always there for like anyone on staff who wants to go to therapy but can't afford it. This fund is always there, no questions asked, right? Like we don't need you to necessarily tell us like what exactly, you know, because maybe you do want to just kind of have a checkup type thing. So building things in like that to where it's easy to to take, or easier, I should say, to take care of yourself as well so that then you can care for other other people really well. And I think the 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 expectations of other people also factor into that, right? So if if I go to a church and my pastor mentions in a sermon that he's going to therapy, is that weird to me? Like, do I say, oh, but he's supposed to have it all figured out. She's supposed to have it all figured out. Maybe I need to wrestle with that because like they are also a human being and maybe that's completely fine. Maybe that's actually a good sign that like they are taking care of themselves well and that that opens the door for other people as well, right? But not having kind of like a, I expect perfection, I expect kind of flawlessness, that type of stuff as well. I've um, been reading this book and it's about a therapist who goes to therapy, um, which is just like an awesome concept and it, it, it's really funny too um and I just think in the way that we kind of consume things now that um like Instagram isn't going to therapy um listening to podcasts isn't going to therapy like <laughs> there are there are pieces and like important things to like share that knowledge um but have you seen I mean, we've talked we've talked about like an increase of demand essentially because of everyone kind of being in quarantine and like, hey, I'm going through stuff and I I need to um, you know work through some things. But yeah. how how can we kind of combat that like really um, bite size, real punchy you know Instagram post or a great quote or whatever? When is is that okay? to consume versus like I need to admit and and go through the work of what an actual trained professional can like help me work through. Yeah, yeah, you know, as somebody who posts pithy one-liners on on Instagram, right? Uh, <laughs> so I think I think there's a role for both, right? I think it is true that like if I can post some some helpful tips in terms of how to navigate anxiety, I definitely want to do that, right? And I follow a lot of therapists on Instagram, uh, and so like obviously I think that that is fine. 
I'll also say that that can't be kind of like the sole thing if you're if you're really trying to do like some inner work, right? In the same way that I can I can listen to podcasts all day long and I can uh, uh, like share little graphics of like you know nice little spiritual things. But also I probably want to be in like a community that impacts my life, right? In a spiritual way. And the same thing is true uh, for like meeting with a therapist or something like that, right? We know that that in therapy, one of the things that's most predictive of like positive outcomes is the relationship between the therapist and the client, right? That can exist on Instagram, no matter how much you think like, oh, I really know this person because they share so much about your life. That's a that's a one-way thing, right? And so can we use those and that's great and can we can we get into you know therapy if we if we're saying that that's that's what i feel like maybe is needed or i want to try it out or whatever and also can i talk to the people around me the community that i have in ways that are vulnerable and open us up to healing and and do some of that deeper work yeah i think um to ask the question for those who maybe aren't ready to go to therapy or who aren't ready to maybe take such big steps when it comes to taking care of themselves and their mental health, what are some other things? Because, you know, I mean, mental health is obviously a spectrum. There's people who are just facing extra stressors. There's people with, like you said, diagnoses. There's people who are just feeling sad because something immediately just happened. And then there's people who are actually depressed. You know, like there's just such a, a huge range of what people are experiencing. And maybe some people yeah. aren't ready for therapy or maybe they feel like they don't need it and they're just needing some other steps along the way to that or maybe not to that. I don't know. But what are what are some other things you think we can do in terms of supporting each other, but also really like taking care of ourselves? Hmm. Yeah, it's that's like the million dollar question, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think slowing down across the board would be my like number one thing, right? For myself, kind of internally, am I constantly getting stimulus, which is super easy right now, right? But in between, so I have ten minutes typically in between sessions that when I when I'm seeing clients. If I go refill my water and whatever, and then I have five minutes, do I need to like respond to some emails or scroll on Twitter on my phone? Or can I like <laughs> breathe for five minutes, right? Like, can I just slow down, which will help, I think, a slow, just like kind of my constant thought train down, but also can I kind of check in with my body, right? Like, what am, what am I feeling right now? Am I feeling a little bit of anxiousness or whatever, right? And then with each other, uh, obviously connecting with each other has been more hard than usual in the past year and whatnot, right? And and I definitely understand that. But can can we just like sit with each other? Can we hang out? Can we have conversations where we don't always have to be doing something, right? Like, can we build some space in if you're a church, right? Okay, people come, we open the doors, people come in, we have like the cool videos and then the worship and then the thing and then like everybody get out, right? Or can we build in some space where it's like mm. people can hang out and chit chat and grow kind of that deeper relationship where there is space to ask some of those deeper questions? Because if you say, oh, how are you doing? And I know we have to leave in a second. I'm going to say, oh, fine. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye. I'll see you at lunch. Right. But if if I know that there's some space to hang out and we can really talk and we have that, you know, then maybe I say, uh, it's been okay. It's been really hard. And we can sit and talk about that. Right. Um, and so I think my like initial thought that like broad brush would be like, can we slow down just, mm. just a little bit? 
I know my microphone was muted so you couldn't hear me awkwardly laughing, but I'm laughing because I'm looking at Jason and Lauren and myself and I know that all three of us are the people who have our laptop open and our phone next to us with the TV on and music play and like slowing down and not having constant stimulus and constant space being filled is so hard, but I think that that is such Totally a great suggestion. And I know that that would help my life. And I know that that would probably help my co-hosts as well. And so I just think it's, I feel personally attacked, but in a good way that you said that, because I know that it's something that I need. That's, and me too, right? I definitely like almost everything that I say or post or whatever, I'm like, oh, yikes, right? Like mm-hmm. there's this weird thing about being a therapist where all the time I'm like, oh, dang it, this isn't what you would tell your clients to do, come <laughs> on, right? And so I definitely, you know, we were getting ready to start here and I had my computer open and I was like looking at my phone and then I'm thinking about what, and so it's it's definitely, uh, it's an un- uncomfortable place, uh, mm-hmm. but I think that's, even that is worth noting, right? If I, if I have a couple minutes and I'm not doing anything, do I feel really uncomfortable with that? And if so, that's interesting, right? Like that's mm-hmm. probably worth leaning into and saying, okay, what does that what does that tell me? What information does that give me about, man, I'm really uncomfortable just existing for five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, maybe that's worth leaning into. Um, and but I definitely understand that I, you know, I personally attack myself as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally resonate with all of these things. I think it's great. And, and kind of what I'm hearing you say, Robert, is the need to be intentional with being present. Right. And, and like for a lot of people who are super busy or uh, who do care about taking care of others, uh, yeah, like if you look at, I'm sure like all of us, like our schedules are just packed, right? Like to the minute. Well, this ends at 10 and then we have something else at 10 and then that goes to 11, then we have something else at 11. And because we're, we like to be producers, right? We like to make it happen. Um, but in that process, we're either thinking about the past or planning for the future, but oftentimes it's, it, like it's hard, right? Unless we're super intentional yeah. on focusing on the present, which I think, you know, theologically is super interesting because we serve this God who <laughs> is the I am, right? He's the God of the present. Yeah, sure. He, he cares about the past and definitely is interested in the future, but it seems like throughout the scriptures, definitely within the teachings of Jesus, it's all about being intentional with where you are in this moment you know, right now with the people right in front of you. So yeah, I, I'm just kind of hearing you yeah. say it's important to be intentional about the present. Yeah. I think even scripturally, right? If you, you say, okay, all the way back in the Exodus story, God says, Hey, I'm going to provide manna and you can't keep some for tomorrow, right? Like I'll give it to you every day and you can't keep some for tomorrow because it'll, it'll go gross. Right. Which I don't know, manna sounds kind of gross anyway. Right. But like you see that all the way back then and then fast forward all the way to, Hey, I'm Jesus. I'm teaching you how to pray. Give us today our daily bread. Right. So like, I think presence stretches kind of all the way across. And that doesn't mean, like you said, that doesn't mean I'm never going to plan for the future. Right. Like I need to buy groceries for tomorrow. I need to plan the next service. Like, but also can I do that while maintaining some sense of like, I can also be here. And can I, can I kind of practice that even if it's for 30 seconds, I'm going to do kind of a body scan, right? Like I feel the chair that I'm sitting on right now. And as soon as I said that all of you thought, okay, I can feel the chair that I'm sitting on, but you couldn't 10 seconds ago. Right. Okay, cool. All I did was shift our awareness, like shift the lens on the camera towards right here for just a second. And then also I can, I can be productive towards, towards tomorrow. So good. Um, I had, I want to go back to one of the things you're talking about um, is the kind of trust and relationship um, mm. with your therapist that you have. So um, for our listeners, maybe they've had a bad experience with therapy and they 
don't want to like listen to what we're saying because of what their experience has been. Can you talk a little bit about when someone knows when it's maybe time to break up with their therapist or, or <laughs> vice versa, or like, how do you go about kind of mending that hurt and seeing that there, there can still be value based yeah. on, you know, what other people have experienced? Yeah. I think that that's very important to, to recognize, right? Like there are a couple categories, right? One, there are, there are therapists who aren't good at their job, right? I mean, I just, I, that's the reality of any job, right? So I'm not like naming any therapists or whatever, right? I actually don't know any personally that I think are really bad at their jobs, but I know that those exist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are also uh, therapists that just the way that they kind of work may not may not fit or click with you really well, right? So like after every initial session I do, I give people the option of like, hey, do you do you want to kind of move forward scheduling? Or if this wasn't a good fit, I can try and help refer to somebody else, right? And that's completely fine you know, same as any relationship you have, you're not going to click immediately with every single person, right? So uh, I think it's worth saying that like, you can try out a couple different therapists to see like, okay, do I click with one of them and feel really good about that? And and I can start building some of that trust, right? Uh, I'll also say if you've had a bad experience, that doesn't mean that that it will always be a bad experience with other therapists. That doesn't, I'm not downplaying at all how much that experience was painful. Uh, I think that can be true while also saying that there could be other therapists who would, who would be much better for you, right? Same as I've had friends who did pretty bad things and we're not friends anymore. That doesn't disqualify everyone else from having friends. It probably does mean that I feel a little bit more hesitant because I've had that experience, but that I'm still going to kind of try and find some more friends, right? So I would say, you know, be okay with that. Like, you should be pretty comfortable. You should, There's no should. Hopefully you're comfortable uh, saying like, or your therapist helps you feel comfortable asking a bunch of questions, kind of feeling it out, saying like, I'm not sure if this is the right fit or not, uh, as well as making sure that it's somebody who is like trained and and works a lot with whatever the thing is that you're trying to get help for, right? So like I have, I have specialties in anxiety and suicidality, adolescence, right? If you uh, came to me and said like, hey, I'm really working on this eating disorder. Can we work together? I would say, hey, that I'm not competent in that. And so this isn't going to be helpful in that area. Maybe, maybe I'll, there's somebody who I could refer you to, right? So um, just recognizing that therapists are human beings. Relationships are all kind of weird, right? You kind of have to feel them all out. Um, and then also that like, you are kind of in charge there. Like you can say, Hey, I don't think this is working. Could you refer me to some other people? And you're, you're totally allowed to do that. Right. Like I know that feels weird. Cause there's that kind of like the therapist is in charge, but like you're in charge of that. Like you can, you can do that. All right. Last question. I know we, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but um, in, in every podcast, you know, we, we talk about hard stuff um, and, and maybe topics that we all like want to address, whether it's from a pulpit or just the conversations that we have with friends. Um, but we always want there to be something actionable for our listeners to take away from the episode that, you know, they, they can do. So how can we prioritize mental health and what are ways that we can engage in meaningful self-care for ourselves and one another? Hmm. Yeah, there's a couple questions in there, right? Um, in terms of of kind of promoting mental health and things like that, right? If you're a faith leader or anyone, right? I would say uh, 
my, my general question for like all things is what's the smallest step I can take. So my advice isn't going to be like, go and become a mental health expert instantly. Right. I'm going to say, can you uh, find, you know, a couple websites online that you think these are, are, are giving really good information and follow their Twitter account or whatever, so that things pop up more often keeps it in kind of mind. And I say, Oh, cool. I can read these articles every now and again, helps, helps me kind of demystify this like weird area of like, oh, mental health is this weird space that like to go in and venture over there is this really scary thing. If I can kind of say, okay, I kind of, I've got some groundwork. I understand what we're talking about here. The more that I can do that in small steps, probably the easier those conversations will be. Um, same thing with like, if you're, if you're a preacher or your pastor, right? Like if you can, uh, mention mental health in ways that are like small, little relatable ways, things like that, right? Be honest about, uh, grief or fear or loss or hurt, right? Like I think all of those are helpful. Um, and then in terms of self-care, I know that word can be a little buzzwordy, so I'm going to like shift it and say, how are we caring for ourselves? right? Maybe sometimes that like that heads off some of this like self-care is a bubble bath and whatever. Um, but I would just say like pay attention to the things that, that make you feel better or worse. Uh, the things that, you know, are there things that help me to feel more refreshed or more energized or uh, happier or things like that, right? This is, again, I'm going to like personally attack somebody. If after, after a long day of work, I like go sit on the couch and watch Netflix while also looking at my phone, which again, totally guilty, right? At the end of that, do I feel any better than I did at the beginning? Like, did was that restful for me? Was that restorative for me? And if not, that's worth paying attention to and saying, okay, maybe there are small ways that I could adjust this. I'm not saying to never look at your phone or never watch Netflix. It's 2021. I totally understand. Are there, are there small ways, again, small steps that I could shift that, that, do kind of influence me in the way that, that I want them to. And then how do I kind of build on that? I have some things to think about. <laughs> <laughs> small steps. It's all small steps. Yeah. Right? Big, big giant life change is almost never sustainable. If you're trying to like eat better, don't go to, I'm only going to eat salads now, right? Go to, I'm going to cut out sodas. And then in a month, maybe I'll add another thing, right? But it's all small, small change. Yeah, I think that's so hard to like the concept because of the way that you know society with the with the way that our culture is of like if something is bad cut it out of your life which there's validity to that but I think when you when you look at addiction like the way that people heal the way that our our minds are wired like you have to relearn so much and so it's Mm -hmm. for some people it works to do like cut something out cold turkey and for others like it does have to be a gradual thing and holding space and grace for yourself and whatever that is like it's a learning experience for sure yeah yeah healing is not like instant curing right healing is like a long process that takes a long time. Uh, instant kind of curing and fixing is like, poof, I've done it. And now, now I'm all better. Right. We're almost always aiming for healing, which is long-term and, and deeper. 
Robert, thank you so much for joining us on the show and for everything that um, you've shared with us. I'm just so glad that we're able to start a conversation around mental health. Um, and I hope that our listeners feel heard and understood, especially if they experience mental illness or have loved ones that do, and that our listeners have learned maybe a new way to focus on their mental health. Um, as someone who deals with anxiety and depression, it, it means a lot to openly talk about mental illness and mental health and share how we can take care of ourselves as well as others. And I hope as we continue to talk about mental health that we start to chip away at the stigma of it all. Um, we also want to provide some resources for our listeners. And these are resources that Robert has listed on his website. So we'll link it in the show notes. Um, but there's there's a lot. I was there. I was scrolling for quite a while, and so thank you so much for taking the time, you know, to put that together so that other people have those resources at their fingertips. And I just really want to encourage our listeners to like take advantage um, of that, so you can find help maybe that you need or learn more about mental health and how to support a loved one who's going through something as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Like I said, it's a, it's an honor to, to come on and get to chat with y'all. So join us next week as we talk more about mental health, where Danielle, Jason, and I share some personal stories and dig into the scriptures to see what they say about mental health. Have a great week and we will see you all next week. Special thanks to our audio engineer, Alan Clark. Music throughout this episode is by Common Man Music and a special thank you to Johnny Swim. If you like what you've been hearing, tell your friends. And if you'd like to connect with any of us, follow us on Instagram at We're the Outsiders Podcast. See you next week.